0: You know that phrase, too big to fail? You know what's really too big to fail? The race hustling business. Way too big to fail. Too much tied up in it. It's too helpful. And so kind of as a continuation of last hour, (laughs) I can never beat the radio guy out of me. Last episode, episode 479, I asked the following question. How do you be a virtuous racist? How do you do that? Because I think the party's got that down. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Way back in the day, our first partner came on board. It was Buller Capital Management at KnowYourRiskRadio.com. Always going to be thankful to my brother, Zach Abraham, knowyourriskradio.com. It's really helpful if you are in the work of fighting an enemy, if you grow to understand that enemy, and we did that a little bit in episode 479, we turned a problem upside down. How would we gain the love of the party? In this episode 480, how do you become a virtuous racist? a racist that is doing good by racism? How does that happen? And I ask that because, uh, once again, the the party's attack on Elon Musk, it paints up a great big huge billboard that that just stinks of the acidic hatred that the party has for people who will not devalue their own humanity. And who will not make of themselves gods. See, it's a, it's duality. When they're talking about the little people, that's us, the bitter clingers, uh, the deplorables. They want us to devalue our humanity. They want us to hate ourselves. And to think of ourselves as worthless and in need of... Help and assistance from the party. And that sounds like good old-fashioned Democrat politics. Get people addicted to the free money. And it goes beyond that, though. They want us to shed our true identity and to take on slim and shrill and breakable non-identities. We talk about that a bit. And on the topic of race, they demand victims. Now, we know that. But how do you, how do you master the art of being a good, virtuous racist? This is a story I want to tell in this hour. It's told so much better in a documentary. And it's a brief one. It wasn't, I don't think it's something I want to pull the sound out of and share because, I mean, it's dramatic. It does a really good job of explaining why Harvard canceled one of its best professors. Welcome to Harvard, the platinum brand, the high temple of learning. A most unlikely man, once made it through these gates. A man abandoned by his mom at birth, who watched his family disappear into the drug trade, and his best friends go to prison for armed robbery. This unwanted son escaped and through pure intellectual virtuosity, pulled himself to here. That man is Roland Fryer, and once he got here, he did exactly what this place claims to do. Inquire along the frontier of intellectual discovery. He became a star. He became a star professor. And it wasn't just intellectual virtuosity, it was also helping people. He founded a lab and then he founded a school, an alternate way for kids to gain access to knowledge. And he helped black kids catch up. That was the mission. We're going to help you catch up. And it had insane ideas like, being there on time and working hard. But but that wasn't the mistake. In fact, that got him fame. Outside of the world of academia, Jimmy Kimmel, who's funny, so funny, and Stephen Colbert. I think it was Colbert. Colbert, who's so funny. Sometimes he says the, <laughs> the F word. It's so funny when those guys do that because you listen to it, you go, I can't believe he said the F word. Wow. So funny, he had um, he had the professor on, so he became a pop culture star, which he hated. And then, then he looked at some data. Oh, step one into being a virtuous racist is man, don't you go digging around in the data. Especially as it relates to cops and kids and violence and violence of cops upon black kids. Do not go in to the data. Step number one in how to be a virtuous racist. It's important to know how to do things the right way. You got to make sure that you're serving the party. That doesn't really work when there's things that are measured. See, Roland Fryer, he started to measure stuff because someone asked him a question What do you think about cops killing black kids? He said, Well, what does the data tell us? Very similar. So to weight loss, sodawaitloss.com. Similar? Yeah, because carrying around too much fat in your body can be deadly. Eventually, well, well, I can't say will be, but can be. Diabetes, heart disease, depression, anxiety, bone issues, um, thriving, failure to thrive. All that can be connected to having too much fat on your body. And so people ask Soda Weight Loss founders, their healthcare providers from way back. And when I say healthcare, I should say patient care. Healthcare has just been a ruined word. So they got asked all the time, hey, you're helping me with all this other stuff. Can you help me drop this fat? And then they asked themselves, how would we do this? And they looked at the data. Wow. The weight loss industry is kind of a scam. People come in and they go out and they come back and they come back bigger because they bounced back. And Why isn't anyone going to the root cause? so much fat gain, which is a metabolic imbalance. It's been made that way through the forced government intervention of the upside down food pyramid. And that was born. From one location in Dallas, Texas to seven, it's always been about the data. Hey, can we predict how much unwanted fat people will lose per week if they stick with our plan? Yeah, we get pretty good at that. Can we spot problems before they arise if people are beginning to go off track yeah we've gotten pretty good at that can we scale it yeah from one store in dallas texas to seven in texas and then became the influx of people then came the influx of people from all around the american southwest and then the eastern seaboard and so they went nationwide it's soda weight loss at sodaweightloss.com and it stands for state of the art s-o-t-a weightloss.com Elon Musk uh, was going through the closets (laughs) at Twitter HQ and he came upon a closet that had a whole bunch of shirts that say, stay woke. And so he tweeted about that, stay woke and said, look what I found. They put up a video, look what I found. And this is what they were spending their time on. And we'll get to that because it's going to be step two in how to, uh, Be a virtuous racist because the race hustling business is good and it can't go out getting affected by the facts. Roland Fryer, this professor at Harvard, and there's a link to this documentary. It's about a half hour long. It is just brilliant. It's linked in the show notes. I I suggest you watch it with your kids. Roland Fryer became a superstar professor, but then also a performer, lifting kids out of poverty by way of helping black kids catch up. And it's his explanation that they were catching up with their white peers. His explanation. And that was through hard work and study. And he'd go into classrooms. And he would see fifth graders who couldn't tell the time. And one of Roland uh, Fryer's remarks, uh, the professor said, to the teacher, if they can't tell the time in fifth grade, then they're not going to have any place to go to be on time. He didn't accept the soft bigotry of low expectations because he himself was not supposed to be at Harvard University, not as a professor. He got into college on an athletic scholarship. But once he got into college and he saw a class in economics, God spoke to him. That's my words, not his, but I think God spoke to him. He looked on the blackboards and looked at these clearly delineated lines and facts. And I got to believe that a guy like Roland Martin who grew up, or Roland Fryer, who grew up in, um, in poverty and chaos and gang chaos and shootings, looked at the blackboards and said, look at this, it's organized. It's non-chaotic. It's predictable. It's understandable. I can explain this to others. It's solid. I could stand on these numbers. And so he became fascinated with economics and he pursued it and economics is really the study of human interaction it's applying mathematics to discern human interactions it takes into account sociology it takes into account philosophy it can take into account religion and it rolls that all up into what are people likely to do in an economic circumstance when they're trading value for value or effort for effort What does it tell us about what people think is important? Well, look at where they're spending their money. That's what they think is important. Show me your balance sheet. I'll show you your priorities. That's what he did. And he was successful. And then someone came along and said, Professor, what do you think about white cops murdering black kids? What do you think about that? Now, the professor is able to delineate feelings from thought. I got to imagine, as a black man who'd committed his life to helping black kids, I got to believe that his heart spoke to him saying, yeah, when a young person is shot, before they even reach prime of life, it's horrifying. When it's a kid like me, I was that kid. I was that kid on the streets. It's horrifying for me because I'm well aware that I could have ended up that way, or as all say, through the, faith, the, the lens of faith there, but the grace of God goes, I. And so he undertook to study the data. And he got his uh, research assistant and asked her, What does the data say? And so she read through the data. She studied the data. She got the crime data, the federal crime, the local crime data. She began to read about this, where there were police shootings and the race of the person who got shot was disclosed and the race of the cop was disclosed. And she rolled this up into a form worthy of someone who worked for one of the finest professors at Harvard, Roland Fryer, an award-winning professor. And he called her and said, hey, what does the data say? And she said, I'm embarrassed to say, I'm afraid to say. No, 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 that's not how we work in our lab. See, the thing about his lab was it was very free-flowing. He wanted it to be a provocative place. He wanted to push the envelope. After all, isn't that what they do in academia? You know, pretending men are women and such. Using the 1619 Project as supposed history and such banning speech and such, trying to take the diplomas of anyone who worked for President Trump and such, you know, edgy, teaching classes on the literacy of pornography. And in fact, having people have sex in front of students on college campuses and having whole courses devoted to watching and describing pornography, edgy, don't you know? So, his lab was free-flowing. They played video games while they talked about research ideas. They watched really, I guess, I would, re- I would regard it as profane humor, but some people regard it as the high art of so-called black comedy. And some of it's probably, probably flatly hilarious that it's also pretty profane. So, that was the way the lab worked. He set it out that way on purpose so that it could be a relaxed place to say, we're going to share any and all ideas. And he was a little flirtatious. He was. And some of the students he had, female students, were flirtatious with him. They were. Never at one time was he found to have touched a student or to have asked for sex with a student, not once. We'll get to that in a second. But he looked into this, and this research assistant was saying to him, I'm embarrassed. I'm afraid to say, no, no, tell me. She said, it's not, there is no data to show that cops kill black kids or shoot at them any more commonly. There's no data to show that white cops kill black kids or shoot at them any more commonly. In fact, professor, in fact, it appears to be the opposite. It appears that officers use force on black suspects less often. Particularly white cops. Black cops use force on black people more often than white cops. And with that, he made his mistake. He had an opportunity to be a virtuous racist but instead he stuck to the data and he spoke it's a lie there is no mass problem of cops hunting young black kids there is no there's 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 no bias we can't uncover any bias in the policing system but you see that race hustle that is so vital to people's money and careers and the power of Harvard, well, in every other junk institution. He lit a fuse. And a long time later, a woman who had worked in his lab came and said, he sexually harassed me. And she brought a series of complaints. I think it was 36 complaints. Eventually, it was taken down to, I think, six complaints remained. And they were about email exchanges. No no pictures of his private parts. No requests for pictures of her private parts. No requests for sexual favors. Some things that were probably better not said. But are you kidding me? On a campus that teaches porn literacy? On a campus that backs the normalization of pedophilia? In a culture? The culture of the party that backs the normalization of pedophilia? They took this seriously? Well, they did take it seriously. And so they did a review. And they came out and said, only six of these things can we say happened. In fact, some of them are lies. Flat out lies. The lady lied. And then a second accuser came. Same type of things. Both of these women had said, Professor Fryer is my favorite. They lauded him. Now, they could have been doing that for power-seeking. Perhaps they were intimidated, but that's not what came through in the massive amounts of evidence that the filmmakers got. So they put it in front of a committee. What should happen? I believe it was a six- or eight-person committee. I know that two of the people on the committee were in the race-hustling business. Their careers are staked on cops are killing black kids. America is a racist hack hole. Their careers are staked on that. Step number one to being a virtuous racist is, remember this, the data, she don't matter. Because the data can get you very close to the truth. Oh, and incidentally, why the data with Professor Fryer? Well, economics is one thing, but you know where it all began? It all began with whiteness. No, it did. It began with Professor Fryer saying, yeah, but why are black kids underperforming? Why is that? Why do black kids cap themselves out at Bs, why is it that they can get into a good school and grow all the way up to getting B level grades, and then once they hit a B level, their grades start to go down? Why is that? Is it because of racist white teachers? Well, these black kids, they're they're getting uppity. Once they get up there and they get Bs, they're getting uppity. They don't know their place. We need to start marking their papers down, and we need to get the we need to get the clan in here and fix these tests. And these blacks are starting to pass these tests, and. That's not what happened. Nope, the professor looked into the data. He said this stuff is knowable. And he introduced a phrase called the cardiac test. How were they determining that they were doing the right thing? <laughs> professor Fryer said they could feel it in their hearts, but he wanted to look at the data he did. So his career's on hold. He's been canceled. They can't fire him. Because he's got tenure, but he's canceled. But what about that test? What about those kids? See, it really matters. It really matters, I think, to take a look at things in reverse. And today, we're doing a second hour of looking at things in reverse. How do you become a virtuous racist? Well, another way to ask this. How do you become, let's say, a virtuous eugenicist? You do it this way. Look, it'd be great if these kids could live. And maybe they can. I mean, maybe their hearts will beat and, and you know, they'll, they'll be able to move about a bit. But the quality of life, quality of life is what matters. Um, not to mention the cost of society. And for that reason, I, I do back, I do back selective abortion. The kids are going to be born with, with Down syndrome or, 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 or autism, if we know that, if it's severe autism. I think we do the child a favor. Quality of life. After all, public health. <clears throat> public money. That's how you're a virtuous killer of kids. Didn't work when it came to Alan at Alan's Artisan Soaps because his parents said, nope, our kid is not going to devalue himself. Our, our, our kid is not going to... Think of himself as worthless, our, our, and we're going to make sure of that because our kid's going to work. In fact, our kid at the age of twelve, though he's been through seven surgeries, going on eight, is still the chief self officer of our company. He invents fragrances, and he does quality control and packaging. He works now. Understand this: he's a he's a kid. He wants his Minecraft, and he gets it. He can't form full sentences, but his his tablet can help him speak. And you know what's so remarkable about him? It's joy. Quality of life? Go meet Alan. Now, the soap company is an extension of Alan. It is natural, as is Alan. He is who God made him. It's made in America. Well, God made everything. But it's natural ingredients, all natural. And then there's this family. God made the family. When they decided to start the soap company with these all natural soaps of these unique scents, they sought out another family who knew how to make soaps, and their partnership was born. Three generations of soap making expertise behind Allen's Artisan Soaps. And you get 10% off everything there at allansoaps.com slash Todd. And my goal is to have a blowout Christmas season. Give this gift of this soap and picture of young Allen to friends of yours who know all lives matter. What better way? What better way to stuff a stocking with something that really does go back to the Lord Jesus who made himself well, small and vulnerable. com slash Todd. It all started. Professor Fryer said, but why? Why is it that black kids get all the way up to this level of Bs and they're on their way to As and entry into college and then they go downhill? Want to know what he did? He did a popularity test. See, he's an economist. He said, I'm going to do the following experiments. I'm going to ask kids, who are are your two best friends? And then he's going to do a cluster exam. Where are the clusters of people who want this person to be their best friend or this person to be their best friend? Because kids are going to say, oh, I'm friends with this guy. He's my best friend because he's popular. They want themselves to be popular. It's implied or borrowed credibility is another way to say this. So he did these cluster charts and said, oh, look here, look here. Kids who get B's, man, they're popular. Kids who get A's, they're white. They're black kids. But now all of a sudden, they're acting white. Getting A's and such. And the numbers spoke. There was a problem with black culture. Now, that study didn't get noticed as much. Oh, but when he stepped on the... The hands up, don't shoot narrative. When he stepped on the black cop, the black kids are getting murdered every day by racist white cops, can't wait to kill themselves and black kids. When he stepped on that third rail with two people on the committee whose lives and economic well-being rests on that lie. Oh yeah, they parked him. The lab shut it down. No more work out of that lab. And all the studies you're doing scrapped because a professor flirted in email at Harvard that wants pedophilia normalized. Everybody got it? So to be a virtuous racist, you have to ignore the data, but you have to do something else. See, black people like Don Lemon need to keep black people like King Randall in his place. So Don Lemon's place is on TV. And Donnie Lemon has a new show on CNN. He's got new glasses. He's got a new wardrobe. It's not the suits. He wears a a long, colorful jacket. And and Donnie lemons he's a good-looking young man. And the new glasses, well, black-framed, a little bit square, very, very kind of hip. So he's got the glasses. He's got the jacket. But it's still Don Lemon. And Don Lemon... Wanted to respond to this 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 wild controversy about Elon Musk that he found T-shirts that the company wasted its time on. Stay woke, but then but then Elon Musk mentioned something about Black Lives Matter and hands up, don't shoot. We can't have that. So listen to Don Lemon. Be a virtuous racist.
1: Here we are uh, at the at the merch thing, and there's an entire entire closet full of secret closet of hashtag woke. <laughs> well, that was Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, mocking a T-shirt the company made years ago in an effort to show support for its black employees and users. Twitter founder Jack Dorsey wore the shirt during a 2016 panel with civil rights activist Ray McKesson. Some critics ridiculed him for wearing it, During the panel, Dorsey mentioned being on the ground in Ferguson for protests over the fatal police shooting of Michael Brown. In a now-deleted follow-up tweet, Musk noted that the shirts came after the Ferguson protests and repeated a right-wing talking point suggesting that the protests following Brown's death were overblown. And he wrote, and I quote here, "...hands up, don't shoot was made up. The
0: whole thing was a fiction." The suggestion, first of all, that stay woke is for black people will give you your first clue on how to be a virtuous racist like Donnie Lemon. Black people all think the same. Because, well, the blacks can't go out having creative ideas. Look at what happened to Roland Fryer. You got to have the blacks thinking the way the blacks think because the blacks got to think like the blacks. I'm using their thinking in my language. Then there's this. black people. They got to listen to a Donnie Lemon take them back to recent history. The protests suggested that that or the the, um, the the hands up, don't shoot lie suggested that the protests were overblown. No, they didn't. What they suggested was that the protests were based upon a blank lie, a clear lie. Michael Brown did not have his hands up; he had attempted to kill the police officer. So, remember, to be a virtuous racist, you have to ignore things that would indicate that black people have their own sovereignty of mind, their own agency, their own creativity. And you have to ignore at all times that black people can also become violent and dysregulated. Now,
1: Musk replaced a deleted tweet with a follow up tweet containing only the link to a Department of Justice report on Brown's death. Okay. Facts first here on CNN.
0: Yes, Musk yes. said
1: that "hands up, don't shoot" was made up. The whole thing was a fiction. This needs some context. Let's
0: get it. Get us that context, Tiny Lemon. So the
1: phrase "hands up, don't shoot" became a national rallying cry in 2014 in solidarity with Michael Brown, who's the unarmed black teenager who some witnesses said had his hands up to surrender when he was shot and killed by a white police officer, Darren Wilson. In 2015, the Justice Department cast doubt on the Hands Up account, concluding in a report that Wilson shot Brown multiple times only as Brown was moving toward the officer. This is what Musk is referencing in his tweets, the DOJ did not find grounds to charge the officer. But in a separate report released the same day, it did find evidence of system, systematic racial discrimination in Ferguson at the hands of
0: cities, the city's police department and municipal court. So the officer was innocent, but systemic racism. Wait a minute. What about the work of Roland Fryer? And why are we goalpost shifting, Donnie Lemon? The question was about Michael Brown. The witnesses, incidentally, who said he had his hands up and was saying, don't shoot. They said that right up until they were under oath, as I recall. Once they were under oath and understood you could be charged with perjury, then they said, I don't remember. Oh, and then there's this, the fact that the unarmed black teen, who was a massive young man, huge had reached into Officer Wilson's car and gripped his service weapon and succeeded in firing it. By the grace of God, he did not strike Officer Wilson. And then when Michael Brown took off and started to walk away and Officer Wilson, knowing he was a risk to people because he just assaulted a guy, got out of his car and pursued him. And he told Brown to stop, but Brown didn't approach him, didn't walk towards him. He rushed him. The DOJ report says that the shots are consistent with a guy who was bull rushing the officer. Had he made contact with the officer, given his size and his evident strength, I think he probably would have killed the officer since he tried to do that. But yes, let's go post shift over into, oh, we did find some systemic racism against African-Americans. But not Darren Wilson. You have to ignore the white people. You have to ignore the fact that white people can be virtuous. To do it like Donnie Lemon, to be a virtuous racist, you have to be able to say, but Michael Brown couldn't be expected to follow the law. You can't expect Michael Brown to not go into a convenience store and, and boost a guy. You can't expect that. After all, he's black. We can't have blacks expectations that black people follow the laws. After all, that goes against black society. That's how you become a racist like Donnie Lemon, but a virtuous one. And you ignore the parking of a professor who actually helped black kids with what we're told is the goal, to catch up. That's the goal of reparations, that people catch up. But only so long as you ignore the data Ignore that white people can be virtuous. Ignore that black people are not a mob, or better said, a Borg. So what else? Well, the other thing you have to do is you've got to keep people like King Randall in his place. He's also a black man, young black man. And Donnie Lemon and people like him have to keep King Randall in his place because King Randall might go out and say something way off base. Like God Almighty can rebuild young black men. And only God Almighty can do it in his way, which is the way that lasts forever and ever. You know, when I have talked with my friend Tim Cruikshank, uh, Cruikshank, the founder and CEO of Bone Frog Coffee, I asked him one day, because Tim was a a 25 year Navy veteran, he's a Navy SEAL. I asked him about unit cohesion and race. And we were having a good conversation over dinner. He said, and I said, my estimation of this is that race disappears in a SEAL unit. He goes, everything disappears. Because, yeah, part of it's a haircut, part of it is, you know, Coronado, and, and, and part of it is you going through the process of becoming a SEAL, and, and they sort of beat that stuff out of you. But then there's something else is that you've been in a position with men when you know that that man, no matter what, that man is going to have your six. And if you're dropped in combat, you're shot, or you're, you're hit with an ID, that man will carry you out. And if you die out there, those men will come back and get your body and they will get it to your family. And it's not even a question. And you know in your heart, hey, if that man takes a bullet, I'm going to carry him out of here. If that man is incapacitated, I'm putting them on my shoulders. I'm carrying him out. If that brother loses his life here on the battlefield, I'm coming back and getting his body. So look at God Country Team on the bags of Bone Frog Coffee. See, I know what it means to Tim. Because I've been chilled with stories about how much he loves his Seal brothers. So, the coffee, though. Herman, that's great, but I won't like my coffee. All right. I love Bonefrog at Bonefrog.us. You get 5% off a subscription there a lifetime when you go to Bonefrog.us. Here's my ask for the Christmas season. If you've been buying the coffee once in a while and you love it and you know you love it, then let Tim do what he does, 10% of the proceeds to the families of fallen seals, and subscribe to the coffee at Bonefrog.us. If you've not yet tried it, try it at Bonefrog.us. And if you are subscribing, there would be nothing more cool than giving your friends who love, maybe they love the movie Lone Survivor, which is based on the seals. They love the the, the terminal list based on a seal. Get them a sample of Bonefrog. It's in K-Cup and and French Press and Espresso and Drip. Get them that, get them some merch at bonefrog.us. That's bonefrog.us. So to be a virtuous racist, and you got to understand that you are serving something too big to fail. Race hustling, Inc. is too big to fail. So you have to get young men like, role, uh, like, um, like um, <clears throat> King Randall to, to understand his place in the world. We had King on the podcast this past summer. My brother, Zach Abraham, introduced me to King. I should get him back. Um, King was living on the roof of his building. Unbelievable story. I think he was in his early 20s, if that, when he effectively started to adopt young black kids. Came home from the military. What am I going to do with my life? Well, you know what? There's some kids who need help. Well, I guess they can live with me. And all of a sudden, it wasn't one kid and it wasn't two, it was three. And then he thought, these kids can't read. I mean, they're not proficient at reading. They don't know how to work. I'm going to show them how to work. He's this young guy, a young, young man. And then it's, man, I'm running out of room in my house i got to get a school. So he then just employs the strength of God and, and asks the Lord to work through him. And he is a firm believer in the Lord Jesus. More importantly, he's a disciple maker. He's a discipled man and a discipled maker. He will not stop until he's got his school. He's got his school, but now they're expanding it. And it is a school based upon God's word. And King Randall has a different view. Now, notice something. It's so evident King Randall, when filming this, is sitting in the snow with his work gloves. He's wearing a shirt with Genesis, and I can't see the quote. I know it to be from Genesis. I can see that. And it's on a work day because it's always a work day for King Randall, but he's not on the TV because he's not in the race hustling business. Donnie Lemon, on the other hand, man, he's got new glasses. Did I mention that? They're really, really slick. Now, King Randall, he can't go be on Donnie Lemon show saying things like this. So many
1: of our boys saying the same thing George Floyd said, but they're saying it silently. Every day in their classrooms, at home, down the street, in these gangs, etc. And it's so easy for us to, to pretend to care about them when they die, instead of fighting for them before they die. Fight for black boys before they die. It's super easy to get out here and go loot stores. It's super easy to get out here and go post on social media. It's not easy to go take some of these boys into your care. It's not easy to teach them how to read. It's not easy just to Take some of these young boys and and train them and mold them and, and grow them. So many men should be responsible for some children that are not theirs. And I think it's, it's appalling for our community to sit around and pretend we care about our boys when it's us who have spiritual fingers on the triggers that kill our boys every day because we won't do anything to help save them. We won't help them breathe. We just care about them after they
0: die. Boom. The X for boys by the way, life preparatory academy. Boom. How dare he invoke George Floyd? Well, I mean, it's not like he's black. King Randall, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's really dark skin. And he's got hair that Michelle Obama says is natural African-American hair, but come on. I don't see him wear a, wearing a Stay Woke t-shirt. I, I, For the life of me, I don't see him demanding that, that people take, that, that, that he be allowed to take money from us for his school. In fact, I've never heard him say that. I don't see any racist. Hus- oh. Oh, that's right. How to become a virtuous racist. Well, keep dangerous people like that making videos like that, not going on the TV. Oh, remember Professor Roland Fryer? Remember, we were talking about him from Harvard. One of his dear friends, <laughs> man, this is risky for me to say. I'm quoting a black man. He said about Roland Fryer, he said, <laughs> He said, well, he is not a domesticated Negro. (laughs) Domesticated how? By being on the race hustling plantation. That's how. He's not domesticated how? By not believing that black people can't do it on their own. He believes they can with help from a community. And in the case of King Randall, he believes that God Almighty wants the community. Now, you can tell a man by his enemies. Elon Musk, he hates black lives. Elon Musk wants to keep black people down because of the woke t-shirt thing. But what about this guy? CNN had a, um, a, a former CIA analyst, CIA analyst, don't you know? meaning a professional, no apps, no bias, simply looking at the facts. On to talk about Elon Musk and what happens when Elon Musk lists, he's going to do a general amnesty. Remember, wait, 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 wait a minute. Amnesty? We were being told by the technocrats that they need an amnesty for what happened during the COVID lockdown. Remember that they didn't say what they did to people. It's what happened. Just this stuff happened. How did it happen? Well, that's not important how it happened. It simply happened. We woke up one day and everything was locked down. And we said, what the heck is going on? So Elon Musk is instituting an amnesty for people who have been banned by the platform. And they get an opportunity to come back. And try again. Well, of course. That's very, very dangerous. Not just for race stuff, but because of this. From CNN that's raising some serious national security concerns. New Twitter owner Elon Musk says that he is going to begin restoring previously banned accounts next week. That includes users banned for threats and harassment. Musk announced the decision after conducting an online poll. He tweeted, quote, the people have spoken. Amnesty begins next week. And then in Latin, the voice of the people is the voice of God. Joining us now is CNN intelligence and security analyst Bob Baer. Bob, thanks for joining us. We hope you're enjoying the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, I'm curious to get your reaction to these accounts being reinstated.
1: Well, Boris, I can tell you one thing. Putin is going to be all over Twitter. If there's no regulations on this, fake accounts, spoofed accounts, The rest of it, this is a great opportunity for him. And so when he's talking about the popular voice, he's really talking about Russian intelligence. Um, You know, the Russians are waiting for something like this. They need a propaganda campaign against the United States and against our support for Ukraine. And they're going to be all over Twitter. I guarantee this. Supporting the far right plans, demands to stop arming Ukraine. You just just wait.
0: Oh, by the way, the host is a guy who happens to be a black man. How do you be a virtuous racist? Well, you don't call out stuff like that with questions like this. Didn't Russia back anti-fracking ads in the United States by setting up nonprofits here? Didn't they do that? Uh, Doesn't China have, the Chinese Communist Party, have police stations in the United States that they don't really call police stations, but they're here to intimidate Chinese nationals who happen to be here or Chinese people who have moved here? Um, Doesn't China have, haven't they invested money in owning entire divisions of our universities where they're teaching kids to respect communist China? Isn't that happening? Doesn't Russia have RTTV? Can't Russia funnel money into our election cycles without Twitter? Is it really a national security concern that some Russian bots might get on Twitter and say that the Ukraine war is not a great idea? And by the way, is it a good idea? Given the fact that the figurehead can't seem to figure out what he's done with $20 billion of our assets and the Pentagon can't quite track down $2 trillion in assets. We just don't know where it is. Are we sure Ukraine's where we need to be when this is going on? The Russians are going to Russian. But yes, 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 let's attack Elon Musk. Because Elon Musk, well, he's also looking at the data. He's also looking at performance. But he's doing something far more dangerous. He's using that platform that he now owns to drive a questions straight into the heart of people who would never ask it. Did Michael Brown have his hands up? Was he saying don't shoot? See, that's how Elon Musk is all of a sudden grouped in with the enemies of the party. Just simple questions like that. And yeah, I once asked a black friend of mine about which racism he prefers If you had to have one. Do you prefer the quiet racism? The soft bigotry of low expectations? You know what Steve said? He goes, no, let me stop you there. I prefer the Ku Klux Klan any day. I prefer racists with Nazi flags any day. Why? Because I know what they think. Soft bigotry of low expectations. They're the one who put a knife in the back of your head when you're sleeping. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well. Be strong. Be kind. And let's just be thankful. That God Almighty saw fit to fit the world with people who are not automatons, who are not of a Borg mind. And remember this, every person you meet this week, every person you meet this week, God considers to be equal with you. They may not be equal in their spiritual walk, but God does not think we are more important than any fellow human.